Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. And I want to thank you for the gifts you all have given and for those of you who will plan to give throughout the year. Thank you for what you're doing for those who will go on trips and for the mission work that's going on. Uh, It's a tremendous thing to have a church that is generous to do that. This morning, I'm excited to share the message this morning with Dave Clevenger, who I got to know for the first time 14 years ago. Uh, I was an intern at the Preston Crest Church of Christ as a learning to preach there under a guy named Prentice Metter, and Prentice had been a mentor for Dave as well. And Prentice said, I want you to get to lunch with some ministers in Dallas and Fort Worth. And so I called up Dave and I said, let's get together. And it's a blessing to be able to uh, serve with him and his family as leaders in this church. And I'm excited about today. We've prepared this message, not for those of you who have a life that's been one of uninterrupted highs. So if, if you've not struggled or had storms in your life, this may not touch your life in the same way it will those who are walking through a storm right now. Uh, and so our prayer this morning is that this may uh, touch those of you who are struggling with things right now, who are going through maybe a dry season or maybe realize that you've been out of one or maybe walking into one as well. Uh, we know that uh, we've, we come here in different places, but we serve the same God who uh, walks with us through those storms. Let us pray as we open God's Word together this morning. Well, God, you are the God who has created the seas and calmed them. And you are the God who has walked in our lives through moments of relative ease and relative difficulty. This morning, God, as we tell and witness to your story across the world today and how that impacts us here in Collin County, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a longing to be your people on your mission. Uh, I thank you for uh, Dave, and I thank you for uh, the friendship we have, and I pray that today as we uh, share your word, that these would be your words and not ours, that you would pour through us the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts and we might be reminded to live uh, clearly on mission with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Fifty-seven years ago, in a sultry Houston heat, the ambition of America would be centered in Rice Stadium. There, the 35th President of the United States would give a speech for the ages, outlining his charge for America to reach the moon by the end of the decade. It was September 12th, 1962, and the stakes were high. The world was watching. President Kennedy would say, the Cold War was at a boil, the Cuban Missile Crisis just a month away, and the challenge was high. Very little suggested that 
America could make it to the moon before their Soviet counterpart, much less by the end of the decade. But the benefits were higher, Kennedy would say, new knowledge to gain, new rights to be won, to establish America as the spacefaring leader. And so President John F. Kennedy would rhetorically anticipate that challenge with these words. But why, some say, the moon? Kennedy would ask in his famous clipped New England accent. Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? That last statement was greeted by applause and laughter by the 45,000 students and faculty and onlookers and press and diplomats that gathered there. Texas and Rice had had a fierce football rivalry up to that point. That line wasn't in the original manuscript. Kennedy had added it in blue cursive ink off to the side, a little arrow pointing to where he would insert it. Later, Texas and Rice would meet on that very gridiron six weeks later, and they would play to a 14-14 tie. In the last 57 years, Rice has played Texas in football 33 times. And Rice has won one of them. This morning we ask a generational defining question and a theological one as well. Why does Rice play Texas? I'm glad you asked that, Dave. And that's actually a question I've been thinking about in terms of our household, not exactly Rice in Texas, but one of the complaints we get from our kids often, and some of you who are parents or have been parents may understand this, is, you know, they'll complain about something being too difficult. And there's several responses we could give in that moment to their complaint about this kind of thing, right? One is to deny it's actually, actually all that difficult, right? Well, that, it can't be that hard. Just keep at it and you'll learn and it'll get easier. Or, or maybe instead of that, we could respond by, you know, saying, oh, well, I guess feel free to quit if you need to. Maybe there's another gift that you have and we can direct your energies elsewhere. But what we're trying to teach our, teach our kids instead of those things is we do hard things. That's what we do in this family. We do hard things. We want you to grow in your abilities, but also in your understanding that when you face challenges, we step up to them and we choose to do them even if they're hard. That's what we want our kids to believe. We don't want them to quit when things get tough. We don't want to lie to them that sometimes, well, this is just easier than you think it is. No, there are hard things in life. And if you're going to follow Jesus, I think this is an important phrase for you to remember as well. This is what we do as Christians. We do hard things. Following Jesus is not a guarantee of an easy way of life. If you think back to the story we've been talking about the last three weeks, it's the story of Peter walking on the water, and Jesus is there in the story. But there's a lot of fear in this story. We've been talking about if you want to walk on water, you've got to step out of the boat. But do you remember what landed them in that boat in the first place? How did they end up in the storm? I think that's important for some of us that may be needing advice in the midst of the storms we're facing. So turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. This is how the story begins. 
Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Right before this scene, there's been the feeding of the 5,000, this big moment in Jesus' ministry. And on the back end of that feeding of the 5,000, there are these crowds that have gathered, and Jesus goes off to a place by himself, but he sends these disciples onto the boat. And this is where I want you to hear me if you're in the middle of a storm, if you've been in one. Obedience is no guarantee of an easy road. See, the reason why these disciples are in this storm is because they obeyed the command of God to get on the boat. Jesus made them get in the boat. And so they follow the command of Jesus. They obey God and they end up in a storm because they happen to obey the words of Jesus. If you're in a storm, it can be easy to think that you must have made a wrong turn somewhere. And there are times in our lives where we do go off course and part of the consequence and the challenge of life is the mistakes we have made, but not every time. There are times where we obey God and it actually leads us into the storm. If you look around long enough, though, what you'll find if you're in a storm is that Jesus is there with you too. When the disciples are in the storm, I wonder if it seemed safer to be in the boat or to be where Peter was in the waters. I mean, think about that for a moment. Where would you be in the middle of a a raging storm? Where's the safer place to be? Of course, it's in the boat, right? And that's where you'd be wrong in this story. Because here there are all these people that are in the boat. And the mistake we make is to think the safest place is in the boat, when in reality in the story, the safest place that anyone can be is where Peter is, and that's in the waters. And why is that? Because Jesus is there in the waters. And this is true in my life, that the boat provides a false sense of security. There are things in the midst of crisis and storm in my life that I will cling on to only to find that they can't stand the weight of my clinging on to them. So sometimes we get frustrated with God. God, why in the midst of this storm is this failing me? Is this, and we think it's God that's failing us when in reality it's the boats we've constructed. It's the people that we come to depend on that really aren't dependable. It's the things. Sometimes it's, well, I know I have enough money to get me through this, but sometimes you have a diagnosis where money can't fix this. Or you depended on friends that you thought were going to be there in the midst of a trial and what you realize is they weren't even dependable at all. In this story, you don't find Jesus in the boat. Jesus is in the storm. Let me keep reading just so we can read the rest of this story. This is verse 23 and following. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. You see, when Peter drowns in this sea, it's Jesus who's there to pick him up because Jesus isn't in the boat. The safest place in this story, as we read it in Matthew 14, isn't with the 11 in the boat. It's in the waters where Jesus happens to be. The safest place can seem like the most dangerous place. I'll take the Jesus and the waves over the boats I've constructed to save me any day. And yet I need to be reminded of that. Because all too often in my life, I'll construct things that I think will save me, that I think will protect me, people around me that will do the job. And the the reality is they continue to fail me over and over again. There's an old song, a hymn that some of you may remember if you've ever sung hymns growing up in church. It's anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. And I think the old song was exactly right. So why does Rice play Texas? Well, Kennedy says it's because Americans do hard things. And why does 
Peter's take that step out of the boat? It's because Jesus was in the waters. But maybe the more important question this morning for us on Mission Sunday is, why in the world did this family with the last name Clevenger decide to go to Ukraine? <laughs> and that's a question that I struggled with myself uh, before we went and that I never really had the answer to. And in fact, when we got back, I, I still didn't have the answer to it. Uh, in fact, it wasn't until just a few weeks ago that it really came to me in a, in a moment of, of reflection and journaling. Uh, more on that in just a moment. Uh, in July, Jolyn and Audrey, who's 14, Caleb, who turned 12 at the time, went to Kiev, Ukraine. By the way, I'm going to say Kiev because if you're from Ukraine, you say Kiev. I grew up hearing it as Kiev. You say Kiev if you're from Russia. So I'm going to I'm going to choose the Ukrainian pronunciation and say Kiev. We partnered with an organization called Let's Start Talking, and our methodology was to go into Kiev, Ukraine, and to read the Bible in English with the people of Ukraine who for most of the 20th century had had their religion suffocated by the Soviet regime. Uh, there was a, a great outpouring of receptivity there. We each spent sometimes up to eight hours a day reading the Gospel of Luke in English with these Ukrainian citizens, which then allowed us to talk about ourselves and our church and our country and our culture, but most importantly about our Savior and about his good news. Uh, that was a, a powerful experience, one that we probably could never really fully calculate. And all along that journey, before, during, and after, that question keep coming, came, came, coming up, why am I doing this? Why did we go halfway across the world to put this in, to practice? And to understand that question and why that question was so hard for me to answer, you got to understand a little bit about me. I don't do well outside of my comfort zone. I'm not a particularly really uh, one who travels really well either. Uh, in fact, on the way over there, we had a three-hour layover in the Paris airport, and we had downloaded our boarding passes. I downloaded it to our phones. And about 45 minutes before we were supposed to board the plane, this pop-up came on the phone that said we needed to get our boarding passes. Uh, and that was problematic because we had the boarding passes. And so I, I ventured to go up to um, the gate and uh, there was an Air France stewardess there at the gate. And I realized I didn't speak French. And so I began motioning to my phone and gesturing to my phone, thinking that the harder I motioned and the harder I gestured, the more she would understand. Of course, that wasn't uh, making a connection whatsoever, and it never occurred to me that she spoke pretty good English. And so finally, after a few moments of gesturing and motioning, uh, she looked me in the eye, and she leaned over the ticket counter, and she said, in what was a haughty French accent, Sir, what is your problem? <laughs> If I had a Ukrainian green vest for every time I heard that in the following two weeks, I would be rich. And the Ukrainian green vest is only worth four cents. <laughs> I don't travel particularly well. I'm not particularly adventurous. One of my, my key concerns going over there uh, was all of the walking and all the traveling we would do because I have a knee that just gets sore sometimes. I had this 
dramatic sports injury a while ago, and so that knee. I got to stop you there. Was this like a college injury, or when did this happen? Is a few years ago. Yeah, sports injury, uh, tore my ACL and my meniscus, and you were uh, running or what were you doing? I, I, I was, I was, I was coaching, I was coaching football. Co- so you weren't playing football. You were. I, I was, I was coaching football. Yeah, I was. A dramatic moment, I'm sure. Okay, Tell me more I, about I this. I wasn't really coaching football. I was. Uh, Caleb was in third grade. I was an overeager dad, and he had this really complex football drill he had to go through, and so I wanted to show him how to go through this complex football drill. So I hurt my knee. Like like a tackling dummy you're holding or a sled, or what is this? I blew out my knee showing Caleb how to do a bunny hop. (laughs) All right, we got it. Did I mention I don't do well outside my comfort zone, and I'm not really athletic? So this was the the context we were in, uh, going to and coming back from Kiev, and that question, why are we doing this, still continued to hover there. And it wasn't until a few weeks ago that it came to me. I was doing some journaling on the topic, and I was watching college football, and I noticed that Rice played Texas. And the score of that game this year, 48 to 13. The winner was not Rice. (laughs) But in seeing that score and thinking about that game, I remembered a speech that had been given 57 years ago, and it sounded like this. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago? fly the Atlantic. Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. This morning you may be asking yourself why we do hard things. Why support Uh, a missional movement within this church? Why be missionary ourselves? Why consider going on a mission trip? Why be a radical disciple? And here's how I would answer that for myself and my family. We chose to go on a mission trip. We chose to go to Kiev, Ukraine, not because it was easy, but because it was hard. Because that goal served to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge was one we were willing to accept. One we were unwilling to postpone. And in our great war against the great enemy, one we chose to win. Jesus says it this way. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I want to invite uh, JoLynn and Audrey Clevenger to the stage. I'd love to talk with them a little bit about this journey. I know some of you may be thinking, I've been on a mission trip. It's been since maybe high school that I've done that, or I've taken trips from time to time, and maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the time where it's more than just a gift in the offering plate, which is uh, certainly a great step and a generosity. But maybe this is the year to actually go there ourselves. And uh, JoLynn and Audrey and Caleb and Dave are all on this trip together. And uh, I'm still trying to imagine what that moment is like where you say, well, this is the vacation this year, kids. You know, this is where we're headed. And it was a joint decision, as I understand. That was a commitment that uh, Audrey and Caleb committed to as well. But I wanted to start with the question for the two of you. Uh, What was it that was your hope? What was the outcome? Why why were you going to Ukraine uh, when you you made that trip this year? (laughs) Um, We wanted to go as a family because we wanted to... Uh, experience God in another place than Collin County. Um, we wanted to even in, even in another place other than America, and we did. And we wanted to encourage the people that were there in Ukraine as well, um, and just let God do what He could through us. And it was an amazing experience. Well, as my dad was saying, there wasn't necessarily a reason that we just wanted to go to Ukraine. There wasn't some, that we didn't want to go for the reward or to be, you know, called out or for there to be attention on us, but we just felt some sort of pull to look towards Ukraine and to go on a mission trip. So this is a little tricky question because sometimes we expect instant results, right? But what kind of impact did you see on the Ukrainians from the trip that you took there, those that were with you, what Scripture did, what the Holy Spirit did in the midst of your time there? Well, the, there, the experience within... So let me back up. Uh, Natasha and Sasha um, are the leaders of the church there, and um, they have a youth group, which is amazing in Ukraine to have a youth group, um, and lots of teenagers, which we were really surprised by because teenagers, we were told ahead of time in Ukraine, were of the opinion that Christ and God and religion, that was for old old people. And however, when we got there, there was such an energy and excitement with the teens, and it was so cool to see. And um, so just being able to encourage them and hopefully plant some seeds uh, with their friends um, was, was really the only you know, impact, though I think God will do amazing, um, amazing things with that church and with, with Ukraine. Um, just one thing to mention that I didn't first service, but Sasha, the preacher at the church that hosted us, um, he was such an amazing 
uh, speaker. If he would have come over here, he would, I mean, probably, you know, have some crazy mega church or something and not what he wanted to do. Um, he wants to be there and he's so good at talking to the teens, but providing them with like serious meat. I learned things over there about certain verses in the Bible from him. It, it was he just had a really, really great um, ability to connect. And so they're doing amazing things there and just anything we can do to encourage them, we would wanna do. And in addition to that, some of the bonds we made or some of the friendships that I made, that I feel like that left a big impact. Um, we went to McDonald's on one of the last days for Carolina's birthday, just walking down in Ukraine. But I think that was a friendship that's going to that's going to stay with me, and I hope it'll stay with them. And I hope it taught them in a way that you can make friendships through the church, and you can bring friends into the church to help spread that Christianity. And Audrey, you've stayed connected to some of the girls, yes. is that right? Yes. Um, whenever media? on Instagram, whenever they post a picture from the church or whatever of some of the people that went there, that just that makes me really happy to see that they're still going to that church and they're still staying consistent with God. And, that's encouraging in the midst of the negatives about social media. There is connection, right? The universal uh, kind of global connection that can happen after a trip in ways couldn't have years ago in the same way. What impact did this mission have on you? Uh, obviously, uh, we, we go in order to have an impact, we hope, in some way, but also God transforms us in the process. What, what's different now? What's, what's been shaped in you? A few things. One thing that comes to mind is um, our family grew together, I think. Um, we had some training ahead of time that said, where they said, you're going to go and it's going to be long days and you're going to get on one another's nerves. And uh, so, do what? Uh, and we, they talked about, you know, um, just working through that and kind of staying back when you knew someone had kind of had one of the, the days that was a little bit harder. And we, um, so we did, we grew in that together as a family. Um, and then we just grew with the relationships that we experienced with some of those folks. And, um, we look forward to uh, continuing to kind of have different experiences with missions. In fact, um, I know we spoke with Johnetta Voss before we went, and she said, you're going to get the bug. And I go, the bug? What bug? And she said, you're going to want to keep going on mission trips once you go. She said it just kind of gets ingrained in you, and you just love it. And, and we experienced that. As she was saying with our family, you know, when it's a Sunday morning and you're talking to your family and you're like, just got to get out of the door and it's really stressful Sunday mornings. It was like that, but every day. <laughs> but but um, as a family, like I learned some Russian phrases and I just, I caught, I caught the bug and I'm, I've learned a sort of a passion for traveling and I'd love to go back and I'd love to go on other missions and yeah. I love that because we see news in Ukraine, right? And we think, I mean, if you've not been there, it's not the same as when you think about specific people that are walking through things that are there. And you saw that on the ground. When you, you know, I, sometimes I think about the image of like a, a rock going into a, a pond, right? And the ripple effect that can come from that. And sometimes we don't see all there is. It takes eternity to see the impact that's made. But can, can, what's your hope about the ripples that may be affected by the time you spent in the word with these Ukrainians? 
Uh, what do you see could come from that that you're praying about that God would do? Um, here, at least, like I said, I found kind of a passion for mission for missions, and I'm hoping that in sharing our story or in sharing our mission, people at Greenville Oaks or Greenville Oaks families might want to go on a mission or find a passion for that as well, and we can, and their families can just spread mission trips and spread the gospel and Christianity. Yeah, we had um, David's grandfather here earlier this morning, and he's uh, he's a f- few months away from turning a hundred, and. Um, he is, he and his wife, he and Audie, Dee and Audie used to always do, um, what were those tapes, David? Burn something uh, yeah. tapes yeah. where they would come, where they would work with people and visit with people and teach people. And they've brought so many people to Christ. And so we're looking at our, a legacy, um, like Dee and Audie left us and we want to leave a legacy for our family to continue. And then we also hope to be a voice um, for so many of you guys that have already gone. Um, and we hope that it's an encouragement to those of you who are feeling a little bit of that pull. In fact, you might nudge the person next to you if you've kind of been feeling a pull towards missions because um, it just it's an amazing experience, and I think that will grow. We hope that you're encouraged. We hope that as you take your family, um, y'all catch the bug. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, in, in, Ukraine, in Ukraine itself, um, the youth group was largely made up of teenagers, and the teenagers would bring their friends, and their friends would, friends would be, bring their parents, and their parents would bring their siblings. And so just in being there, there was a ripple effect there because all the teenagers were starting the church, and I think the church was largely, largely made up of teenagers and their friends and their parents, and it was a ripple effect in the end, like a rock in a pond. And Well, thank you all so much for your testimony, your witness to this. It was last year that you were in this very space that God kind of brought that nudge to you all, and so I'm hopeful that the same thing's happening in the room this morning, that you'll allow God to... Uh, challenging the same way. So thank y'all so much for uh, being here. Dave, you want to close us out? Um, yeah, you know, thoughts? so I don't know that, um, well, I know John F. Kennedy never lived long enough uh, to hear the words, the eagle has landed, or to see Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, or to see old glory flying in the lunar atmosphere. And, and I don't know that we uh, can fully appreciate or calculate the impact we had uh, in those two weeks that we were in Kiev, Ukraine. But, but I, I believe, I, I am convinced, that one day the four of us will get to the pearly gates. And there will be a group of Ukrainians there holding a sign that says, Spasibo, which means thank you. We'll pray toward that day, won't we? Thank you all so much. Would you give a hand to the Clevengers for, for what they've shared with us today? Well, it's been a great day from uh, Caleb's baptism to uh, the testimonies we've gotten to share and hear. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. 
Make sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.